I'm Laura, aka Biceps, personal trainer and soon-to-be-published author of Lift Yourself, out July the 25th. I believe that discovering health and fitness, and weightlifting in particular, has the power to change your life. It did mine. I found the power of lifting weights completely transformed my own personal body image, from wanting a thigh gap to feeling proud of my strong and athletic figure. After years of crazy diets and not feeling good enough, I finally felt physically successful. And I can't begin to describe how empowering it is to pick up something you didn't think you could. That feeling of ambition will transfer into your daily life and will have the habit of making you feel like you can achieve whatever you set your mind to, if you put in the work and have enough patience to see out the process. Ultimately, I believe that strength doesn't come from what you can do. It comes from overcoming the things you once thought you couldn't. I'll be exploring this idea every week, celebrating extraordinary men and women who share their stories of resilience, lifting others, and the challenges they faced along the way. Welcome to Biceps and Banter. I'm super excited to be partnering with Fitbit for this series. I'm officially obsessed with my Fitbit from tracking my sleep quality every night to monitoring my effort in workouts and general low intensity activity throughout the day. I genuinely love the brand. For me, having an awareness of this kind of health data really does help me to lead a healthier, more active life, which is very important to me. I have found that using my Fitbit watch and having the app on my phone can help give you the motivation to track your movement and supports you in pursuing a more balanced and healthy lifestyle. And remember, if you're not assessing, you're just guessing. Welcome, Shane Collins, to Biceps and Banter. Thank you so much for coming on today. You're very welcome. Um, it is a really terrible rainy day today in London, so we've just... Well, um, no one knows that because it's a podcast. Yeah, I know, but we So just... we could set the scene here that um, this is the Willy Wonka equivalent of Laura Hoggins' home. All right, perfect. Well, that's exactly what it is. chalk and bronzer <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> mountains of chalk. Yeah. Bronzer, lots of heavy stuff. Yeah. And uh, she's sitting on an atlas stone. It's actually, that is actually <laughs> not, not far from, from the truth. For the guys at home that are, that are listening or wherever it is that you are when you're tuning in. So I've known Shane now, I think, for just over four years when I was thinking about it. And my first experience of Shane was in, uh, in a gym in London. Uh, in a in a dark red room that was very very intense, a mix of treadmill and and heavy weights, and in comes this really lovely, unassuming but quite relentless Irish man. This guy has also had I probably doesn't even realise a huge impact in the direction in which I've taken my career. Shane is the founder of Cobox London. How many how many Cobox do we have now? Three. Three co We've got one at Chelsea, one at Baker Street, and one in the city. Amazing. The theme of uh, this series of guests is those that have shown strength, character, ambition, perhaps overcome um, a level of adversity uh, and a bit of uh, shown a bit of mental resilience in their life and career. And I think of those things when I think of Shane. I think of entrepreneurship. 
I think of his ambition and I think of how I believe everything that he does, he goes about with a with a real notion of inclusivity. Um, so talk to me about the Fight Club meets nightclub. So where did this come from and, and how has it got to the incredible place that it is today? I came to boxing as a total non-boxer. Loved it. I've, I've never really encountered training like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then thought, well, what do I do now? Because I don't really want to box. I don't want to compete. I'm certainly not good enough for that. Um, and there wasn't really anywhere in the world for people like me to train. So uh, I guess over time you you pick up influences from everywhere, right? Like I had my background in track and in, in training competitive athletes, and then uh, the red room you spoke about with Barry's boot camp, yeah. and uh, um, Barry is one of my best friends, so his influence on me was huge. And I guess uh, I, I you you look at different ways that people do things and how they reach people and. Um, a big thing of, of what I saw in LA when I was there and then when we came to London was trying to make all of these things accessible for people who would never do them. I don't yeah. think the people who go to Cycle or Soul Cycle or Flywheel own $5,000 bikes. They just love cycling and they made cycling accessible for them. Yeah. So so Cobox was born out of a need to bring boxing to people who were always too afraid to try, uh, a little bit scared that they'd get hit too intimidated to walk into a boxing gym because they're the yeah. most intimidating place. I walk into some boxing gyms now and I think, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm in trouble here. Like, yeah. like I, I don't belong. Um, so it was born out of a need to bring this incredible workout to everybody. And I think we've uh, stayed honest and true to that. We haven't, we haven't really tried to say, you know, if you're really into boxing, come to Cobox. For sure, come. I yeah. hope you enjoy it. Yeah. But I actually expect that they won't. I think they'll be used to what they're used to and they'll love the old school boxing gyms like I do. I yeah. love them now. Yeah. Um, but we're really saying to the people, if all that puts you off, come and try us. No one's going to hit you. You're not going to hit anybody. We're going to try to be the friendliest boxing club that anyone ever seen. Amazing. Well, I've, that's untrue. I have hit myself uh, in, in one of your classes before. But that's uh, just a bit of all the gear, no idea there. Um, you, you speak when you sort of started off training some some guys because you you were into it and, and you love to understand the principle of it at that stage did you ever think i need to open my own space here but was were you uh, entrepreneurial no, that, that was minded? Yeah. ah yeah i mean yeah i think that's in you I, I genuinely think one of the most overused phrases in the world today is entrepreneurship because mm-hmm. people who have ideas think that they're entrepreneurs yeah and god you need to deliver uh-huh. uh, you need to do something you need to put it all on the line and actually drop everything and put 100% of everything you have into it. So yeah, I think for me, uh, the notion of working for someone was always just so alien to me. I just hated it. Okay. So yeah, I think I always knew I, I was never going to end up working in a job. But I did for a while. Yeah, I, I, I was did the whole say college thing and I, I did five, six years um, in, in Dublin. And actually glad I did because I learned a lot. But that was also a very entrepreneurial environment. It was a small team. Mm-hmm. It was a property developers, and they were super aggressive about everything in the world. So yeah. um, I actually think I, I needed that to put some manners on my wants and my dreams and, and my ambition yeah. uh, and actually to learn. Like, I, I feel like that was a real hard apprenticeship, like mm-hmm. hard. I was the youngest guy in the office by 12 years. You've done your stint in college in Dublin 
you've kind of witnessed or observed what successful management or entrepreneurship should look like. And then you went to L.A. Yeah, I went on holidays to L.A. And I wanted to see. I wanted to, like, study, right? I wanted to see all these different things that were happening. L.A. at the time was really the place where you had to go to see all the new things. Yeah. And I sound like I'm old now, like, <laughs> back in the day. But it's true. Even, like, 10, 10, 11 years ago, the fitness scene was a lot different. Yeah. And I was staying on Fountain Avenue in L.A., which is about a five-minute walk from Barry's Boot Camp, West Hollywood. So yeah. I walked down. I'd never heard of it. No idea. And God, Barry's was a very, very different thing back then. Like, like so small, you couldn't believe. Yeah. The receptionist said, you got to come to Barry's class tomorrow. He teaches at 5, 6.30 and 8. And I said, okay, I'll see you at 8. <laughs> so I took his class and um, no idea. Never really seen anything like it, to be honest. It's, yeah. it's like crazy. So I walk in and um, what I didn't know was that the people who'd been going to his class at 8 a.m. have been going for 10 years probably at the time. Uh, And when you're a pasty, white, skinny (laughs) Irish boy, you walk in, everybody turns around and goes, who the fuck is that? (laughs) So I go in and it's, I don't understand anything. The the weights are in pounds. I'm like, I don't know, know, what do I pick up? So I pick up dumbbells. He immediately comes, gives me heavier dumbbells and says, lift them. He starts doing push-ups. He starts like sitting on my back. And then I'm laying down on the bench and we're doing chest presses and he's pushing down on the weights and I'm 10 minutes in and I think I'm fit and I'm fucked. And I'm like, this guy's, why is he bullying me? Why is he at me so much? And it was because it was new. And pale. And he takes off his, and pale and Irish. He takes off his mic 10 minutes in the class and he says, are you a trainer? And I said, yeah. And he said, you can have a job here anytime. Wow. And that was the recruitment process uh, for years. What am I, 26? L.A.? I'll give it a go. I'll yeah. give it a go for for a bit, see what it's like. It's yeah. going to be fun. It's like an extended holiday. So I did that, uh, fell in love with it, really loved it. Loved the whole vibe of class, yeah. of having that energy of people. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me was I went to LA, I knew nobody. And within two classes, I had 10 friends. <laughs> because there was that community there was that yeah. vibe of actually this is more than a place to work out this is actually part, this is the social club yeah. so even now when I go back I went back for the 20 year anniversary I still go back and I still see all the same people and I they, I haven't been for two, three, four years whatever it doesn't matter yeah. everybody remembers and that was the bit that I thought this is brilliant I think in life right you're just the sum you're, well not the sum you're the average of all of your experiences yeah So that's where you get to today. I'm the average of every experience, good and bad, that I've had. So are you. So is everybody. Uh, So I I thought when I get the chance to do my own thing, it will be the average of all of the stuff that I've really loved over the last 30 years. Yeah. And I think that's what Cobox is. I read an interview with you, I think it was about a year ago, and someone asked you, what's the ambition with Cobox? And you said, I want it to be the biggest gym in the world. Simple. Biggest boxing club in the world. Biggest boxing club in the world. Yeah. I think um, it's always been the case. I think we should be. I think we're, we're the boxing club that should be because we're for the most people. I think there's incredible boxing clubs, right? Like s- clubs that we can't compete with that yeah. just produce all these incredible athletes and trainers and fighters. And um, I'm not saying I want to be bigger or better than them, but I think for the world, we should we should be the biggest. I think we have to be because we're speaking to the most amount of people. We're introducing the most amount of people to the sport. Yeah, and I, th- I think in... Um in my experience over the past few years, 
I could probably liken boxing with just kind of like weightlifting, right? People look at it and they think, wow, that looks good. They look at the top of it and they think, wow, I can't lift that or I can't box like that. And people are afraid to try. And I think what you've done with Cobox is trying to make it more of a learning experience, not just for your body. Yes, it's an incredible workout, but also for your mind. And I feel like it's when you've had a shit day at work, there's actually something very cathartic about just going to thump the hell out of a bag to a Kanye West track. There's this thing about community and people getting together and breaking down barriers, and it's very powerful when we're together. So how, how have you seen the community, especially in the London scene, how have you seen things evolve? When I look at it slightly from the outside now, and I've, I've kind of experienced a little of it myself in the last year, what I've really realised is, in all of these big cities especially, um, and I, I say it to our guys, our job isn't actually to deliver the best workout ever. Because I think you can't, right, day by day, you know, some workout's going to be better, it depends on your mood, what you're into, whatever. I think what our role in the world is, is to give people the best hour of their day. Yeah. Because the people that come at 6.45 to our class fascinate me. Because they've been at work all day, and then they're not eating anything probably beforehand. They come and work out at 6.45, they leave at 8, 7.45, 8, uh, they get home. They have given us, not an hour, they've given us their whole evening. Yeah. And I've started to understand that because I think, uh, especially in London, I experienced it myself when I moved here. It's hard to get to know people in London. Yeah. It's hard to actually have friends. Lots yeah. of people have work friends and colleagues yeah, and people that they, yeah, they kind of associate with, but they don't have true friends. So I think for me, understanding that, especially in the last year, that actually... Mm. The workout is super important, right? But that's got to be a given. You can't do yeah. a good workout, get out of the game. But actually, can we be a place for people to come when they don't know where else to go? Because mm. that's what I think it becomes. It becomes a social club. And I think that's the most important part of it for people in London, for people in all the, probably everywhere, but especially in the big cities where you may move here and you're probably here for work mm. predominantly. Um, and you need normality. You need human interaction that's not, based around what you're doing nine to five. So I think that's the most important factor that I've realised in the last year, for sure. And I think um, you've mentioned earlier about belonging or not, and you've experienced a situation where in your previous work that maybe wasn't the work you wanted to do for the rest of your life, but you felt like maybe you've walked into a gym and you're like, I don't, be I don't belong here. How do you think people can make that first step? If, if someone's sat there going... I really would love to, but I fear so badly of judgment. How, what would you say to them? I'm, I'm glad you followed that fear up with judgment because that's what it is, right? I think that's the biggest barrier to anybody doing anything in their lives. Mm. I think the reason people don't do fitness classes is because they think those random people who I don't know are going to think I'm fatter, fitter, skinnier, whatever, than they are and judge me. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Um, I think people don't start businesses because they're afraid because they have a degree in something and their parents paid for it, that they don't want to give that up to open a coffee shop because that's not for them. They should be doctors. Yeah. I think other people's opinion is the biggest barrier to doing anything in life. And that's like the the people get at us sometimes for like turning it into a nightclub environment. Um, that's part of the reason, man. Like that's not just so it's a cool place to be. If you go to a nightclub 
and I know you've been. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, you don't care what you look like when you're dancing, right? You, yeah. you could be the worst dancer in the world and you don't <laughs> care because the other people beside you, you don't know and you don't give a shit. Once you leave and they leave, no one's going to say anything. Yeah. So that inhibition, the lights and the music, that's what we're trying to do is give people an environment to lose all of their fears and their phobias and all of the worry about what some random stranger on bag 16 is going to think of yeah. you. Nah, man, like get over it. Other people's opinions. And the truth is, I've said this to a couple of people this year in, in fitness and their personal life. Mm. The amount of people who think about you when they're lying in bed at night is minimal. Yeah. If you've got more than two, you're incredibly lucky. Because <laughs> when people go to bed, they think about their wives, their husbands, their girlfriends, their kids, their parents. Yeah. They don't think about the people they're working with or the people who are in class. Yeah. So why are you giving them so much power? I think this is perhaps exacerbated by social media as well in that there is this sort of external validation factor going on of, you know, should I be seen to be doing this or or should I be, you know, there's this comparison really, isn't it? My right hook's worse than your right hook. Does that make me any better or, or worse as a person than you or do I belong more or less than you? And I think for me personally in fitness and how I feel like I've evolved is, yeah, I wanted to go out there, I wanted to work hard, but I also really value effort over any kind of results. And and I know everyone talks about consistency, but I think once you find that thing, once you find that place that you can have that community or that comfort, you just got to keep going as often as you can. And it becomes a lifestyle. It's not about that one time I went to boxing. It's, okay, I find something that I can do that I'm not thinking and and this year we were talking a lot about body images, the theme for mental health uh, week, and body image is your view of what someone thinks of you. And if you can overcome that, you can literally do anything anything you want. And um, I know from, from your perspective and, and with with Cobox, you've done quite a few different campaigns. You've done the, the Pride campaign. Yeah. That's something that's just so important to you in terms of mental health, inclusivity, accessibility. I think what we managed to do, um, when we when we started, we told people we were going to do a boxing class and they said, no, don't do it, you're mad. No one's going to want boxing. Uh, and then we said that we thought we'd have more women members than men and they said, you're an idiot. And then we said, you'll open on the King's Road. And they were like, no one on the King's Road is going to want a box. (laughs) And then we showed them where we were opening. And you'll remember poor old Chelsea 1.0. And it wasn't the best pitch. And people said we were mad. But what we managed to do was make boxing really accessible for women. Yeah. I think we're definitely, well, maybe not now, but when we opened, probably the only boxing club that really was tailored to and comfortable for women to really come and enjoy. And then we looked at it and we thought, well, who else have we not spoken to? Who mm. else is afraid of this sport that yeah. we all love? Um, and gay men really are a, a, a huge, huge population of people who just don't engage with the sport at all. Yeah. Uh, and we thought, well, why? Probably the same thing. That's what we figured out. Was that it was like, well, no, I don't want to go to a boxing gym because I'll get called this or they'll say that yeah. or I'll be judged or whatever. And we're like, well fuck them like not here right because there's none of that here you, yeah. you just come and you enjoy it and if you like enjoying things I think you like enjoying boxing yeah um, so yeah no super important to us and we've 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 gotten together with an incredible charity that I definitely want to name drop called Rainbow Railroad yeah. who are just it is 
almost hands down the best charity I think I've ever encountered. Mm. And essentially what they do is if they can raise $10,000, they can free a gay person, man, woman, um, from from areas of the world where they're treated just horrendously, mm. murdered, tortured, put in prison, flogged in public, all of that stuff. Um, and they're a small group of Canadian charity, but they're, they're trying to open up a HQ here and get going. Yeah. But just wonderful people doing simple stuff that changes people's lives like you can't believe. Yeah. So if anyone would like check out Rainbow Railroad yeah. on, on any channels that you have, please do. One of the biggest questions I get asked is how I stay motivated to be active beyond my day job as a trainer. I need to ensure I'm moving enough and also if I have had a particularly active day, I need to ensure I'm fueling my body enough to perform. I can't talk enough about the benefits of managing your sleep and the quality of it. Going from a stressful or high energy job to having to wind down and get an early night can sometimes be a challenge and it definitely affects how I feel and how much energy I have the next day. My Fitbit helps me to track the various sleep stages I'm in, from light sleep to deep sleep, right through to REM. So if I haven't managed to get a solid seven to eight hours, I need to be aware that I might not be on top form for the next day. By tracking my personal stats through features like heart rate monitoring, active minutes over the day, as well as my sleep data, I have a much better understanding of my overall health. to sort of summarise how you've gone about talking about Cobox in, in many different ways. I think in the, the concept of the delivery to kind of ex, your expansion, you've challenged stereotypes ev- everywhere, I think. I remember having very early conversations with you about women in weightlifting. I mean, we've been talking about this for, for years. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things where if you can give someone a good experience and they get out of their head for that hour and they enjoy themselves, they're not as concerned as the... the obviously, the physical result is important. But what I think is most important is how you feel when you do it. Um, and obviously, weightlifting is a part of the, the concept that you have uh, in Cobox. How have you seen that's evolved, sort of women in, in weightlifting or even men? Yeah, it's a difficult sell, right? Like, we, I think we know that. I think you yeah. know more than anybody else. It is difficult. And you get, like, I think we're always, uh, I'll live for the day, I don't think we'll see it, where women don't correlate lifting weights with getting chunky and yeah. heavy and big and strong bulky and all that bulky. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. My favourite word. Um, <laughs> and I guess, uh, listen, what we do isn't anything like what you do, right? Like, ours is all uh, very, very, very uh, much lighter weights than what you would do in traditional powerlifting yeah, yeah. or, or strength training. Uh, I I think it's a it's a shape thing. I think when people start to see a little more definition and obviously, you know, people tend to lose a little bit of weight or or they tone up, they see a slightly different shape and assume that it's bigger. Yeah. And most people look in the mirror and see something that's entirely different than everybody else does. Yeah. It. Everyone, so right? True. You do it, I do it, same yeah, thing. Yeah. I'll I'll go around and go, Oh my god, I'm so fat today. <laughs> And then I'll have to check myself and go, well, you're not, yeah, you're, not really. you're really not, you're really <laughs> not fat, so behave yourself. Yeah, and I, I think even from a personal perspective, like, I think people assume, uh, you know, I like lifting, so that's what I do every day. And, you know, 
I don't actually. I went to Soul Cycle the other day and I did lift some two kilo weights to um I think it was Lady Gaga and I had a great time. Of course you did. And for that one hour of my day I forgot the shit journey I'd had on the tube. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, you know, maybe it wasn't my I you know, the workout that I would normally want to do, but for that day I woke up and that's what served me best and I don't think we should judge either way. Because I'm not out sure. here trying to be an Olympic weightlifter nope and I can't convince everybody that boxing is the best sport or activity for them yeah I can just convince the people who actually think that it is yeah we speak to people now like investors and and um, it's funny because you know they're all into stats and data and how many people have come and not come back and we give them the numbers and how are you going to get them back in I was like well (laughs) I won't get all of them back in. They're like, why not? They don't like because bo- they don't like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't like boxing. They came, yeah. they tried it, they don't like it. I'll reach out, I'll see if they want to come again, yeah, see yeah, if we yeah. can do better. But fundamentally, out of the whatever amount of thousands, tens of thousands of people that come, some of them won't like it. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. They tried, they didn't like it, they'll go do something else. Good for them. Yeah, I, I think you're so right. I think also, especially in London, like we live in this bubble of sort of moving people around from a professional perspective. There is 25% of the UK population do less than half an hour's activity per week. Like, that's mad. Like, there's millions of people out there that just haven't found it yet, whatever that it is. Yeah. But it's the same fear thing, right? And kind of lack of education of, of what they can do and how how good it would be if they did five minutes a day. Yeah. If you just did anything. You you, got, you know, you take yeah. the decision to but do But we're going to live to be 100 well, if we're so, lucky. So, no, all of, I think all of us will live to be 100. <laughs> Unless something goes wrong, we'll, we'll be the generation that knock out 100 easily. But <laughs> work into a six-week time frame to get your fitness or your health. Forget about fitness. Just be healthy, man. Yeah. To get your health in track in six weeks, forget about it. Yeah. You can set the foundation for it, but set the foundation for the next 12 months and do it slowly. Yeah. Because I think that puts people off as well, that I'm not going to get there. It's too much hassle and I have to be so restrictive on everything I do, you don't. Yeah. Just be realistic with where you're going to get to. That's the start. And how long it's going to take you to get there. Yeah. And I th- I think also people are unsure of sort of where, what do they want? Because like I've no, I've personally experienced, I've set myself a goal that's a weight-based goal. I've got there and I felt exactly the same. And then I was like, well, you know, what? Why? Why did I? Why did I do that? And I really had to question myself. And now I'm in a very different place. But that's years in the making of of understanding myself a bit better. And what th- triggered that for you, though? Because I guess when when we met, you were you were doing crazy stuff and diets and I this was. and macros and every like so strictly to get to a point. I remember I was. there was an Instagram picture that went viral or something. Um, yeah, and then but- I feel like almost from that point. You changed and thought, no, fuck it, I'm going to do me. Yeah. Whoever likes me can like it and whoever doesn't like me you can lump it. What made that trigger happen for you? So I um, I think the photo that you're referring to is a before and after of me in, in some sort of underwear and I had done the body coach 90-day mm-hmm. plan and there was a, a box that said, do you want to share your, your photos, your progress photos or not? Yes or no. And I said, no, this, I'm just doing this for me. I didn't follow the fitness plan. I felt like I had that covered. Yeah. I just wanted to know how to fuel myself a bit better and would it help me feel better in my stressful office job, whatever. So then my results came through. I looked 
very different, I, I would say. And um, and I got an email from the guys at the body coach and said, your results are so amazing, we'd like you to reconsider. And they got me on a really good day. And I said, yeah, okay, go for it. And I remember exactly where I was. I was in Nike Women's Kings Road. I think I'd actually just come out of, I think I just finished a session at Cobalt. Oh, of course you had, I think, yeah, surely. <coughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure Why I did. Why else would you be on the I'm Kings sure Road, I did. Um, and it was the body coach has tagged you in a photo. And I remember just thinking, oh, shit. And there I was. And I had some real mixed views. (laughs) I had people going, wow, amazing, you look incredible. I had people going, you're a really bad example. You look awful. Um, You looked better before. Um, you, someone actually referred to me as anorexic. If you've, if you've met me in, in my, any stage of my life, you would, you would probably not make that judgment. Um, which I just thought at that stage, I thought, wow, these people have judged me just purely on this photo and they have not taken into any consideration how I felt. And I felt amazing at the end Mm -hmm. of it because I'd finally got my nutrition in control and, um, yeah, I couldn't believe it. And the, what I'd written in the caption, which really killed me, was I'm exactly the same way in both photos, just to let you know. And I think from there, I just thought, I cannot live my life on the validation of someone else. I have to do it because I feel good and I do feel good. And I did take, it did take me a day. I was upset that day. And then I just thought, do you know what? I'm going to crack on. And um, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue a career in fitness. And there was a couple of gyms I wanted to work at. I thought it was a cool place to, to go. And this one guy said to me, he said, I hear you want to work at so-and-so gym. And he said, let's make sure that that doesn't happen. Oh. Do you remember that? No, I don't. It was you. Oh, what gym was that? I'm not going to say, but now seems a pretty good time to share a bit about how sort of Shane's view, and you've probably got it from everything that we've just said, in that Shane has such a, a sense of purpose and passion and conviction is in his own opinion, then it almost doesn't really matter what anyone else says. <laughs> and, and I mean that in a really good way, because you will continue to do it, and, and it's the doing this is, again, something you said to me, is that lots of people can have ideas. The difference between those who continue to succeed is whether they do something. For sure. Our, our old principles, the only thing I remember from him, bless him, was he uh, used to say, there's no, there's no point in having aspiration without perspiration. People, it's better to do things badly and learn from it than just sit and think. The amount of people who are thinking about doing great things and laughing or pointing or criticising people for doing stuff wrong or yeah. badly, in their opinion... When those people are doing, just let them do. Yeah. Get get off, go and do something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a big believer in doing. Yeah. Like just be the hardest worker in the room and you have a chance. You don't have to be the best. Yeah. You don't have to be the smartest, the fittest. Just yeah. turn up, work harder than everybody else, see where it gets you. We are the size we are, we are the fitness level we are, we are exactly where we're supposed to be. Yeah. And who else is there? Because it's different. Someone might be their first day working out, but they're there, but it's fine. So I can I can help you. You can help. Everyone can help. You don't have to be like the the biggest dude or the skinniest girl. Actually, you just need to be able to relate to people and help them. Um, and I think that's the that's the missing ingredient that that goes sometimes. That we're all in this game to serve people. Yeah. Like the the fitness game for all of us is: can we help people do better? Uh, and then it doesn't matter what you look like, how tall you are, how small you are, how thin you are, how junky you are, how built you are, how muscly you are. It's all irrelevant. Yeah. Can you connect with people and set them on a path to do something that's much better than what they're doing now? Yeah, powerful. 
So, what is next for Shane Collins? It doesn't have to be today, it can be in life. What's next? More studios for sure. I think definitely. That's the short-term aim. I think the long-term aim will be the biggest boxing club in the world. I'm sure we will be. And then for me, I think more of what we've just spoken about, trying to help other people Mm -hmm. try to start their own thing or do their own, just find a path to take them from a place where they may not be that happy to a place where they are. And if you were to leave everyone with one piece of advice, if they're sat there thinking, I don't quite know where I'm going or what I want to do, but what, what, would you, what would you tell them? What would I tell them? My one piece of advice, I would say, stop trying to solve the negative issues that are in your life or your mind or your thoughts and start by just doing one positive thing. It doesn't have to be big, but, but negativity soaks up a lot of time and it's usually out of your control. So if you can deal with it, great. But if you're spending too much time on it, you're better off to just ignore it. Wake up the next day, focus on one positive thing and do it. And then run with it. And surely one day it will. For sure. Well, Shane, thank you so, so much for coming on Biceps and Banter oh, today. Pleasure, my friend. Um, it's, it's actually been great because I haven't seen Shane and I think it's about a year. So Yeah, probably. It was actually just a, a very nice catch up. And um, Since if you, she got famous, she doesn't, oh, she doesn't talk to us anymore. Oh, at all. Yeah. Since Shane's become like this <laughs> multi-millionaire entrepreneur, I could just about fit him oh, in today. That is, that is <laughs> certainly, uh, of all the opinions held about me, the one that's the most untrue. But anyway, maybe one day. If you have uh, been inspired by by any of this discussion and you do fancy uh, a bit of boxing please do check out Cobox London on Instagram or on the World Wide Web it is awesome and I'm actually going to go and try it myself this afternoon and if anyone has uh, like questions or they are thinking of trying to set something up or get something going I'm always super happy to try and give a little bit of advice to people who may have an inkling that they want to do their own thing so yeah I guess if there's a comment section or something I'm super happy yeah. to jump in if you want Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you so much. And um, we will join you for uh, next week's episode of Biceps and Banter. Thanks, guys. Where's the chalk? (laughs) (laughs) Into the air. And that's it, team. Another episode down. And as ever, I want to round this up with a final thank you to all the gang at Fitbit. Because without the team there, this podcast wouldn't be possible. Using all the resources I can access with my Fitbit means I can utilize personalized insights and have guidance on how to improve my overall health and well-being. At the end of each day, I like to check my stats to just evaluate my day and gives me the reassurance I need that I am pursuing a healthy and active lifestyle. See you next time, team. Bye.